0: About a millennium or so ago, when I was in seminary, I had a conversation with a classmate that I still remember. We were talking about Jesus' crucifixion, as one does in seminary. Like me, he was in the ordination process, though in a different denomination. He said, you know, it's really hard for me to wrap my head around the crucifixion. I've never experienced suffering. Now, he was probably 26 or so, but even then I thought, whoa, wait, what? By that time, my childhood had been disrupted by severe asthma. Asthma so severe, I thought about death, my own possible death, from about the age of six on. My father died of a massive heart attack when I was a senior in college. Jesus' crucifixion always made sense to me. Awful things happen to people who don't deserve them and for no good reason. So what? You've never suffered? Of course, I knew that if he just lived long enough, suffering would come his way. It always does. But unlike my classmate, Jesus' disciples had to have known suffering. In a world of high infant mortality, no antibiotics, and an average life expectancy of less than 40 years, suffering came with the territory. They knew suffering. So why couldn't they wrap their minds around what Jesus was telling them? I expect... It was because given the world in which they lived, they, like their fellow Jews in occupied Israel, wanted someone who would put an end to it, all of it, the Roman occupation, the hatred directed at the Jews, the unexpected, as well as the commonplace tragedies. Come on, if you're really the anointed one of God, stop the suffering, stop it all who among us hasn't thought that at least once. So the first time Jesus talks about a suffering Messiah, Peter thought Jesus had to be mistaken and said so volubly. That was last week's gospel. Peter wanted a standard-issue Messiah full of power and glory. When he gave his view voice, Jesus told Peter, He was in league with the devil. Today's gospel gives us the second time Jesus talks about his coming suffering. The disciples are still confused, still reject this scenario, but given what happened to Peter, they keep their mouths shut. Though out of earshot, they're discussing their relative merits as Jesus' favorite. So as the best teachers often do, Jesus opts for a visual aid. Lose the words, go with the visual. A visual that upends their notions of greatness and also underscores that suffering is the place wherein Jesus' glory lies. He takes a child and puts the child in their midst. Get a good look. If you want to see who is powerless in this world, if you want to see those who bear an inordinate amount of suffering, true in Jesus' world and in our own, look no further. It is children. But then he goes further, gathering the child into his arms, and he says, when you welcome one of these, you welcome me. This is who I choose to be in this world, one of the powerless, one of the weak, among those easily destroyed, those whose lives are not their own. Those are the ones I came for. That is how you will see me when you see me on the cross. Align yourself with them and you will follow me welcoming those who can give you nothing in return, at least nothing that is valued by this world. When Jesus does go to the cross, by no means does he sanctify or glorify suffering and violence. Those things that are so much a part of human experience are heartbreaking, but they are part of life. Jesus says, That is where God goes. Power and glory will elude most of us. And a God on a throne is just another emperor in different clothes. Rather, our Messiah steps into the full reality of our lives. The disciples didn't get this until Easter when they learn that God entered into the pain and terror of human life, to reveal that despite all appearances, human power is not the last word. Following him and walking in his ways, we will find ourselves in the midst of suffering, our own and the suffering of the world. But so too shall we find ourselves transformed, and transforming the lives of others. We may, as Jesus says, lose our lives and discover that we have finally found them. It takes a lifetime to wrap our heads around Jesus' Messiahship, but it is frankly not our heads that matter most. It is our hearts, our very being. May we be like children Who, though we may not know what it means, enter into Jesus' embrace, realizing we are safe in his arms.